diagnosis because so like clearing cache, getting rid of everything, trying new browsers, everything like that. When in fact, I do believe the internet's gone down. Um, so hence, wasn't able to um, to, to get on. Um, Salavi. Salavi. Anyway, listen. Uh, welcome everybody. It is bring through big fresh. We're 15 minutes behind schedule. Uh, due to an unexpected outage. I hope that's not too disappointing for everyone. Um, uh, but this is the show where we're going to review the newsletter from yesterday. Um, so we sent out uh, issue uh, 316 on Sunday, um, and I thought it was a really interesting issue. Um, and I'm looking forward uh, to discussing it with you and with Adam Gordon, of course. So, uh, Adam, good to see you as ever. Um, hope you're hope you're well. By the way, I saw a LinkedIn update from you uh, today about some sort of job change. Is is that significant in any way? No, I was just cleaning up. I was just tidying up my LinkedIn. And unfortunately, I forgot to tick the button, which says, do not send this out as a as an alert. So I've been getting messages from people going, congrats on the promotion. Congrats on... Congrats. No, I had to, I've deleted the post now, but I don't know if that deletes the alert. But anyway. It's annoying. It's, it's worth thinking about, isn't it? Because you think you're doing a bit of tidy up and admin, but in fact, you're triggering like massive notifications to for you. It's a big network. You must have five, ta- five, ten thousand people, fifteen thousand people connected tw- to you. But twenty-five thousand, and I've got absolutely, right. uh, yeah, no. I had, I had no news whatsoever. So, anyway, yeah, twenty thousand so notifications have gone out, and you're, you're going to be handling those congrats for a while. I should imagine. Um, Hopefully, because I've deleted the post, people will stop seeing it. Yeah, it would. It'd be interesting to how how long it's. Does it hang around? Does it disappear from people's feeds, or does it appear? If it exactly. has appeared, does it stay there? So we, we don't actually know. Exactly. Do we? No. Um, well, I'll anyway, be, well, we, we we will know because I'll be able to tell you because I've got I had quite I had loads of likes and messages and stuff, and I deleted it about forty five minutes ago. So if they all stop, then we know that stops the uh, stops it appearing stops the propagation indeed so uh all right well listen um let's get on with it um let's talk about what happened yesterday i mean um what did you read and what was interesting for you man so um let's start with um deloitte's gen z and millennial um 2022 survey Mm -hmm. not not good reading to be honest like i mean I, i i in some ways i'd rather be younger but in other ways i'm all right with having grown up, you know, in the 90s and 2000s. So the number one priority or the number one challenge for Gen Z and millennials is struggling with the cost of living and financial concerns. With 29, interestingly, 29% of Gen Z listing that as their top priority and 36%, so quite a lot more, of millennials listing that as their top priority. Um, So that was very sad to read, but not unexpected. Uh, The great resignation is um, also prompting those people, as it is with, I think, people in every generation, to reassess, like, how they're working. Sustainability and environmental action is a top priority when considering employers, which is not surprising. We've got a ever-growing group of people who are interested in those things. And, you know, I think people of our generation and the generation before probably shafted the planet a little bit too much, and that's why. Um, And 
workplace mental health is another big priority for millennials and Gen Z. So, you know, it's not, it would be great if it was like all optimistic things rather than things that we need to fix because they're not good enough. But uh, that's the world that we've built so far. Yeah, I, th I think the, the concern for job security, income security is on everyone's minds. This is Gen Z for sure. Um, but the, I think that's also escalated as the top priority. I think, did I see it from LinkedIn recently um, that had similar, basically 12 months or so ago, everyone was talking about, yes, we need uh, this, that, and the other. It was, it was pretty, like employees were pretty aggressive, if you like, in terms of asserting demands. Now it's like, look, we just need to have uh, income security. We need to, we're worried about the cost of living. Um, the, the compensation requirements have to reflect that. Um, and everyone's feeling the squeeze. I mean, you just need to see your, your, your gas bill coming in and you, you recognize it. Uh, or if you go have a coffee, I don't know whether you've, you went out there and like just had a basic, you had a coffee and a cake the other day, it cost me nine quid. And it was like, that's the new normal, mate. You know what I mean? Suddenly, all of the stuff that you thought you had, like you might, even the people that, that might have felt reasonably well off now understand that actually the purchasing power of those numbers that you had of that one pound that you had in your pocket has gone down significantly um so so you need more of those pounds um if that's the situation so so you're right you can connect that deloitte survey directly with the um global talent trends from linkedin and um i mean again pretty grim reading so it said workers are bracing themselves for economic downturn. And unfortunately, uh, the UK was top of that list more so than anybody else. Is um, anybody surprised? So, no, I mean, the, the, the words that it used is not so bracing for economic downturn is like the headline. But what the what the, the these data is actually about is have you I think the question something on the lines of do you believe do, are you positive about the chances of increasing your economic you know, prosperity. And uh, the UK, well, I can't remember what the stat was, but it was like minus 14% or something like that. It was the absolute worst. So um, I, was... I think that that is a, a absolute verdict on our political environment, a completely dysfunctional political environment. Um, I mean, you can't look at that and then think, I, I was saying to a few other people that, you know, in business, it's like, how can you even think about investing in your company? When you don't know what the tax situation is, you know, IR35 is a classic example relevant to recruiting. Different in the space of three weeks, it was three different positions. <laughs> so it's like, well, how, how if I'm you know running a business, um, what am I supposed to do? You actually can't do anything. You have to wait um, until something is stable and it looks like this is the plan and this is what's going to happen. We still don't know, by the way. So we, everyone's dry powder. So yeah, always, we're, the longer we are in this ambiguous situation, the more stressed we're going to be. So um, so yeah, crazy. The other ones that um, the other kind of headlines, if you like, from that uh, LinkedIn trends. Uh, content was that the number of uh like jobs available has gone down so i don't think we'd be surprised by that either so it's uh i think they described it as leveling off so from like highs big highs of of like jobs being needed to be filled and it's come down quite a lot india was down top 
the very high percentage, like down 40% or something like that. Um, the UK was down 11%. USA was down 13%. So again, you know, these things are, of course, all interlinked. Yep, yep. Comp and Benz, I have not seen this for, I can't remember the last time I saw compensation and benefits being listed as the top priority for job seekers. I, I, I don't remember that being being the case, but that's what it says in this LinkedIn Trends report. And then the um, the desire desire for remote working is from employees is going continues to go up as from employers it continues to go down, and this ma- mismatch is widening. Yep, that's going to be an interesting challenge. There's going to be a very interesting challenge because there's, it's basically combat. Uh, between uh, sort of the employers, what, what the employers want, maybe they're seeing here's an opportunity to pull people back from this actually very inefficient way of running a business. You know, if you're running a hybrid work environment, which most of us are, that's actually very inefficient in terms of operating costs, fixed costs, management overhead. You know, all of that is like very, very expensive. Um, so I can imagine managers start to say, right, come back to the office and crack crack that one out uh crack that one through should i say um i beg your pardon um and uh basically uh the the employees are saying no and i can understand the employee side very well because you've also got to think about commuting costs and stuff like this you know if you're going to think about a new job you're not sure about cost of living obviously you want an upgrade in terms of salary but if it's just a small upgrade you've got to be hang on I was doing this job at slightly less, but I wasn't commuting in every day. Um, that's, you know, two, three grand a year for sure, minimum. Um, not, not including, you know, lunch, breakfast and lunch. Typically, you'll spend out of the office. Uh, so uh, that's now maybe 20 quid. So, um, so yeah, it's like these things are going to impact people's thought process. It's going to be, re- it's, 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 you know, it's going to be tough to see an out of this. This is going to be a real difficult uh, you know, uh, period. I don't think there's any like magic buttons or levers that like Liz Truss and her sidekick Quarteng thought that they could just press a couple of buttons and pull a couple of levers, and all of a sudden we've got economic growth and you know everyone's prosperous. There, there isn't going to be such a thing. We're going to have to write this out, and it's going to take yeah. a couple of years. Yeah, I think we're out of bullets. I, I do think we're out I of agree. options. You know, I agree. Like we're at, the, the car's crashed, right? The car has crashed. We've just got to figure out how to best extricate ourselves from the wreckage. That's how I see it right now. Um, but I, you know? I don't think this is the big. I don't think this is the biggest crash that you know could be ahead of us. I mean, there, there's there's bigger crashes that could be ahead of us when you look at government debt and you look at you know the aging workforce and you look at. All sort, you know, like pensions and all sorts. There's bigger problems than this, even. So, you know. So, so what you're saying is, we've not only crashed a car, but we'll crash off a cliff, and we're slowly going to fall off the cliff. Um, maybe we are, in like yes, a, we've crashed a, it, hit a tree, and we're all, and we are, and so the, the car's broken, like the car's not working, <laughs> but it's also teetering over the edge of that cliff. <laughs> oh my god, it is, and I know it's doom and gloom, folks, um, and I know everyone's feeling a little bit. Uh, you know, under the under the pressure, but you've got to have a little bit of gallows humor about it. Um, and the reality of it is, I think 
there's, there's there'll be opportunity in and amongst the mess, but it, what would it won't be? It won't be like easy street. You know, it won't um, a mediocre idea, a mediocre business that's not going to succeed in the way maybe it has over the past 20 years, 15, 10, 15 years for sure. Lots of people have done really more than decently on, you know, not great ideas. I don't think that's happening anymore. It's going to really sharpen the edges of what needs to be done. And from a recruiter point of view, as recruiters, typically that we will always have a way to find um uh, sort of seams in the marketplace that are still recruiting almost as a result of a recessionary scenario. Um, yes. You know, there'll be recession-based recruiting requirements because, uh, you know, people want to automate more. Um, that requires certain types of skills in order to get there. Um, you know, people might want to think about, you know, uh, moving labor around in a different way, reorganization, all that type of stuff is, that requires some sort of recruitment still. So I think that um, that the, the laws be worked there for us, but perhaps it's going to be of a different sort. And we've, we've just got to be, uh, um, well, agile with a small a in the, the, the dictionary definition of the term, you know, how to, uh, how, how to spot the opportunity and jump to it. Yeah, I, I, I was just going to say, I think you said, like, there is opportunity in amongst the chaos and whatever. I, I can't remember the words you said, but it, like when there are downturns, it does create opportunity. <clears throat> when there's chaos, it creates opportunity. But then I, I wonder if I'm like from a position of privilege, that is something that's much, much more accessible. So like my, you know, um, when you think about your hierarchy of needs, I've got all the basics covered and I'm, I'm, I don't need to consider, you know, concern myself about that. So is it much easier for me to go and like take advantage, look, spend the time looking for the opportunities and then going and doing something to take advantage of them? Yes, it is. So yeah, it's, dude, it's, not, I mean, it's not a wholesale, not a wholesale solution. No, 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 and and uh, you are absolutely right. Um, the the people that win in an, in in a situation like this are the ones that have already had some success, um, and and as you say, don't have the the day to day pressure of paying the bills. Um, like we know that no one enjoys an increase of gas bills or whatever. No one enjoys seeing that, but it's not going to really materially derail your plans in any way. You know, you can ride out. That's fine um whereas other people that's a showstopper it's like the, the current way in which they're operating that is going to be not tenable um I, I, there's another post i was going to put in um it's going to go in in a week source time in the us is the same story people are on the breadline um and their margins are so thin that these fl inflationary fluctu fluctuations actually can stop them operating like as a, as a as a household unit like they can't find a way out of this and, and I just wonder that, yeah, there's going to be some really tough times. This is where state intervention is absolutely required. And, um, and, and yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be quite ugly. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to say. I think we, I think we can, we can now with, we haven't, we have enough years of looking at governments making decisions and um, there's, a, there's enough clear evidence in front of our eyes to show that the decisions that many of them have made have been entirely self-serving. And have not been medium term, uh, you know, take with, considered with the medium term in mind at all. We are we are where we are because of because of government decisions. The U, the US has made a, many bad ones. The UK has made many bad ones, and lots of lots of countries have. 
what's interesting me is that some of these decisions we're talking about it's very very similar to climate change in in the way that the economic system is a very complicated multi-actor system that takes decades for decisions to start percolating through and having manifesting in themselves in certain situations yeah um and and we're kind of reaping what we're sowing from at least 20 years of 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 you know, um, debt-based growth, QE, yeah. we didn't deal with in, in great, great financial crisis. We just printed like trillions, right? Yeah. And just boosted into the economy. We printed trillions again on furlough. We need to do that. Now we're printing trillions again in terms of sort of uh, suppressing ga gas prices. Obviously, you layer on top global politics, geopolitics, all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. There's well, a, the, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of conditions... There's a lot of conditions um, that are, are coming together, uh, which are slightly unnerving. Um, I was watching a program about Benito Mussolini at the weekend, and uh, you know they've they've got a new they've got a new I don't know if it's she's called prime minister or president or what, but um, they have Premier. a new premier, hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, who uh, Benito would probably have approved of very considerably. Well. Is is the harsh reality of it is? I mean, you look at the the local politics of it. Is that whenever you have like um, economically tough times, the, the the right wing typically rise up because people, you know, reach for an option. They reach for an answer or a solution. Um, Populism and, and thrives in this condition. Correct, um, and you know I can understand it because you you're reaching for some sort of change doesn't matter what it is um and and yeah we, we've seen right wingers um sort of emerge in political power in a number of countries in europe sweden went right wing um italy obviously gone right wing we already have right wing in our country um hungary. and hungary poland all of them so so you know we're at the point where we're looking at sort of an economically sort of stress time politically go right wing nationalistic anti-immigrants you know it's it's going to be yeah countries not, not, not right. countries invading others well maybe this is what it looks like 1930s rewind you know um i really which, really hope not but there's a lot of condition there's a there's a lot of parallels there is there is and and you know what it's it's beyond the, the course of the conversation for us to solve it but it's important we talk about it because we, you know we on two levels firstly at a rhetorical level i think we do need to articulate this because if we're not talking about it then i think that increases the likelihood of us just somehow ending up in a place uh you know uh, it needs to be debated it needs to be articulated um, and on the second side, you know, for a small folk, so, so to speak, um, it kind of makes sense to, to, to be aware of these these trends um, so that you could figure out uh, sort of uh, what best options they are. I mean, you know, you've got to think, yep. what, what are your best options? So, yeah, I hope everyone's enjoying this quite right, Adam. It's a fun show. So bringing it, bringing it, bringing it back to, bringing it back to, uh, bring it, chunking it down a couple of levels. Uh, one other thing that I forgot to mention in LinkedIn's like talent trends was that internal mobility is uh, helping employers to increase retention. Uh, that's a slightly obvious kind of statement, but the bit that I thought was really interesting was the top proponents of this are in financial services. They're benefiting the most banks. 
Um, and so, you know, good on them. Well done, because there's not an awful lot of things in talent acquisition that they can't do because they're so governed. So, you know, could you imagine them using duck soup or uh, or even any of those, like, like there's a whole load of different technologies mm-hmm. and processes and things that they just can't do because it's heavily yeah. regulated. So it's great to hear that one thing they are doing is really over-indexing on it in internal mobility. So going work for a bank might be, well, maybe not actually, it depends, but um, at least they're doing that good. It's starting to, I mean, one of the things that these big changes are going to gonna have an influence on is the structure of work, structure of businesses. So so it is interesting from, from our narrow focus. Um, you know, if we're looking at uh, company formation, company uh, philosophies, how you interact with labor, all of that is a, is a big part of how this future is going to look like. So, so yeah, we've got work to do. I've got one more, which is like a kind of pulse report type thing. And then maybe we can talk about um, a couple of uh, slightly, slightly more specific things. Um, mm-hmm. So um, Workable's hiring pulse report uh, yes. was, uh, again, useful, like snackable content. Mm-hmm. It's quite straightforward. Time to fill is down after a big jump over the summer. May, June, July, it was much harder and it is down again. Uh, job openings uh, are remain uh, high in companies of like 200 people plus, but not so much in the companies of 51, 51 to 200, I think. They were down quite a lot. I was surprised to see job openings uh, remained high within those larger companies. Um, but if we connect that to the Pragmatic Engineer newsletter, uh, he always shows us the big tech companies, what have they done over an, ag- an aggregate? And between Microsoft, Google, and Meta, they've been up 93,000 jobs um, in the last 12 months between those three companies. So while there has been like 90,000 from layoffs.fyi, they show 90,000 tech jobs have gone so far this year. Um, the, those big three, it doesn't include Amazon in that, but those big three have actually an aggregate have uh, included 90, added 93,000 new jobs between Q3 21 to Q3 22, I think was the, the comparison. So I'm sorry, I've just, yeah. I've just meshed a couple of different pieces of brain food there. <laughs> No, no, that's that's important. I mean, basically, I think the message is that these big tech companies do have an, uh, an outsized impact because of the massive volumes of hiring they typically do within tech. Yeah. yeah. Um, however, that also means if they're going on hiring freeze, that has a huge effect also. Um, and uh, another big sort of bit of news this week is obviously the the uh, quarterly earnings reports from these big tech companies: um, Amazon, Apple, Alphabet. Um, Meta, Microsoft, all of them, all of them reported like less than they than they uh, 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 expected, um, and that led to stock price crashes and all the rest of it. And that also led to them announcing uh, hiring slowdown, hiring freeze. So the big tech winter is definitely happening there. Oh um, yeah. What that, what that means for smaller tech, it should mean there's more people around because um, these big tech companies aren't uh, absorbing them all. However, 
um, you know, we see a lot of uh, um, withdrawal of, um, of VC money as well. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just basically harder than it was 12, 18 months or so ago. As crazy as that may sound. All I can assume about the 93,000, like, increase in jobs at Google, Microsoft and Meta is that that is less than had been forecast because it's still a vast number of increased jobs. So presumably the 93,000 was they were in, they were expecting to hire between them 130,000 new jobs or something like that. I mean, they're still going mm -hmm. up considerably, but you're right, by the way, the, the, the hidden uh, detail in the economics around jobs is definitely the, the concept of hiring freezes. We often talk about like this company's hiring more people, this company's hiring less people than than they were, or they're they're making redundancies. But those hiring freezes make a big impact in terms of the net uh, number of employed. Even even hiring slowdown. You know, if you if you've gone from hiring five thousand to hiring two thousand, there's three thousand jobs that are not being hired. Yeah. Um, so, so that is, you know, a, a big number and that's what we're going to see. So tech winter is here. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the tech recruitment labor market next, uh, next 12, 12 months, I think. Yeah. Just one other point from Workable's post, um, was the number of applicants has been going up, um, which for, for each post, which is presumably in direct, uh, relation to the number of actual job posts going down. So mm -hmm. what that's going to mean is probably um, less suitable people filling jobs uh, because, you know, there's more people wanting the jobs, but there's less jobs available. Uh, and no, that's not true. What have I just said? That's not actually correct. I, I think well, the first well, time I've gone back on myself on brain food, I think ever. Yeah, well, that's good that you get able to do that. <laughs> A lot of people just plow on through, yeah, you know, but but I think that just means that, the, that as as we expect, there's more involuntary people on the market. You know, involuntary job seekers. Um, they're applying more because they can start seeing, oh crap! And I now need a job. Cost of living's gone up. I can't be yeah. sort of on my, uh, you know, relax about it. Um, and that is probably the most significant sort of uh, number in that report that that the applicant per vacancy uh, um, uh, number, uh, and that's yeah. going up. So, yeah. So I've got two more um, slightly light, more lighthearted. Well, yeah, slightly more lighthearted ones um, from BooleanStrings.com. Um, I'm going to say proof that, but it's like the, the latest in um, the latest in like 10 years worth of proof that uh, X-ray searching is better than searching Actually, searching LinkedIn is better than searching within LinkedIn. And what Irene has done is listed all of the different things you might want to search for, like from simple ones like name, job title, current employer, previous employer, skills. Um, and what she's basically proven is that if you buy LinkedIn Recruiter, you get, uh, let's say, 25 different things. If you just do it for free using your X-ray search skills, you get 35, 55, whatever it is. You can get people's blood groups and you can get their, you know, favorite rugby teams and whatever that you can't get from LinkedIn Recruiter. It's the irony of a lot of membership sites where 
you know, if you're in site and you're logged in and they recognize you're a member, <clears throat> they will, you know, deliberately restrict your the visibility of aspects of the platform. Whereas it's all indexed within Google. So, you know, you just need to know exactly how to use the right type of um, X-ray operators and you've got a lot more information. That is the theory. And um, it, it's it's interesting. Firstly, I think LinkedIn search is broken. I've, I've tried to search on LinkedIn. It's like a, a, a painful experience. And B, it, it, it's so consistent. Like you type something in and you generate results of, of individuals or of companies where that that phrase doesn't exist. It's, it's literally just thrown in there. Um, and you wonder why that is. And I think LinkedIn is one of those that gets away with it because the results are, are voluminous enough um, that there will be some relevance in whatever page that they'll show you. There'll be two or three results that will think, okay, that looks all right. But it is by no means a, a forensically... Um, like a comprehensive troll of what's out there. You're missing a ton because they've given you just enough uh, to say that's that's a good search. Now, yeah. I think Google is in the same boat. Uh, Google is a horrendous search experience today. I don't know whether you've noticed this, Adam, um, but using Google to discover things is like painful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's The first page is like ads. It's all ads. You've got to scroll down immediately as soon as you you type something in. Then the relevancy of it is like, you know what? It's not, it's it's trying on one hand to um, accurately um, understand, uh, so literally understand what I've typed in. But on the other hand, it's trying to understand what I mean. Um, And it's mixing and matching those things together. Irina, by the way, is coming in to do a show on this um, because she has accused, not accused, it's too harsh a word, Irina's not a type person, but she's kind of exposed Google in the same forensic way to say, I reckon Boolean search doesn't work on Google anymore. And it turned out her commentary on her Boolean strings uh, post was actually responded to by product people from Google um wow. who not as a criticism but they were they were very interested in her findings because that was a, she's an outside expert um on how search works and they're inside product people so they rarely see someone with her level of expertise actually intelligently commentating on how search works so on um i think it's two weeks time irene is going to come on to brave food live and she's going to do a presentation on it um that great you'd pay money for that i'm sure you would absolutely pay money to to pay attention to it she can come on do it free it's gonna be amazing um but it it probably is not great news she's probably going to tell us you know what half of these things don't work anymore or if you're going to try it why why would they do that why would they make the search experience worse i mean that's their entire business is like making your life easier it's not their intent i think what's happened with google search number one is ads that they just decide to suck on the ad money a little bit too much and therefore it makes sense for them to put more and more ads in um i mean what's what's the problem with that the problem with that is you just got to scroll down a bit further so there's a ux issue of scrolling down right you can get away with this um but the second issue is is that seo is a problem like people have figured out on the other side how to get page rank there's entire businesses and industries built on this um and so the there's a lot of content that is basically designed to feature highly on the 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 search result but it's not what you might be looking for as an individual um and thirdly um I, i think they're also moving towards they're aware of of the threat of tiktok 
So TikTok, Gen Z are using TikTok now um, to do a search on stuff where you would yeah. imagine they might do um, right. on, on Google. Now, why is that? Well, firstly, it's on a phone, right? When's the last time you used Google on a phone? You never do. It's always on, on desktop. Phone is by far more used and, and more intimate in terms of how you use it. And secondly, it's more real to what the person is actually looking for. So in other words, what kind of searches are common? Uh, where is it good to eat around here, right? Um, you type that into Google and you'll, be, you, you'll generate a list of like uh, sites that have just been juiced um, because people have you know, understood that they need to get good ratings here, this, that, and the other, and it's, 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 it's all, all that kind of stuff. Whereas on TikTok, it's still pretty much user-generated results. It'll be some other TikToker saying, yeah, this place is cool. So it's, it's much more um, uh, delivered via other users. The content is, and recommendations delivered by other users. Whereas on Google, it's pretty much gained by uh, people who understand how to rank highly. It's gained by ads, people paying money to feature highly. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's it's they're in trouble long term with this, which I've is why they're it. shifting. They're shifting. I've, I've, the, the, I've noticed the ads. I've noticed the larger volume of ads and having to scroll through. But at the same time, I'm also finding the ad placement often quite useful. It is what I'm looking for. But the I am I am uh, I am not noticing any deterioration in the search results. But now that you've mentioned this to me, I will look out for it. And I do use Boolean. I, I use Boolean uh, search all the time on Google uh, when I'm when I'm looking for something just to try and improve my search experience. And I felt like it's working quite well. But I, I'll keep an eye on this one. Yeah, and and the show will tell us a lot more because. It, it, Irene has gone through it uh, from a from a real forensic point of view, so it should be uh, it should be a, a thing that um, it'd be useful for us to all review. Anyway, yeah. uh, give us one more, mate. All right. Um, so we've talked about it a couple of times the concept of AI doing our jobs, and including in the area of creativity, including creating content. And um, so one guy that he, he does admit that his test could be considered flawed in a couple of different ways, but he paid some uh, individuals they got off Fiverr uh, to design some things based on his brief. He put the same brief into DAL-E, which is presumably a play on Salvador Dali. And, it is. Uh, uh, which is a, which turns your, con which turns your written brief into uh, a visual representation and the individuals produced much better results. So, you know, I don't know yep. if Dali's at MVP stage or what Dali's uh, claiming to be able to do at this point. But the problem you have with Dali is it's designed to be surrealist as well. <laughs> so, 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 uh, so, the brief, it? so the brief itself was like, I want a visualization of this uh, uh, academic data. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's a little bit uh, sort of gained in that respect. But it, we're not far away. We're not far away from having um, sort of the AI produce better output than a human being on creative work. Um, and, and I don't know whether you saw yesterday, I posted on, I think, um, Instagram and, and Facebook, I think, um, a bunch of avatars that I, I basically trained this avatar with pictures of me, right, to then, for it to then produce AI-generated avatars of me again. 
Um, and the, the the response I've been getting from people who've seen that has just been a jaw drop. Everyone's been saying amazing. They look da da da. You know, incredible quality um, and uh, and just really beautifully rendered in different poses, different guises and all the rest of it. Anyway, uh, what was really interesting uh, is that the guy who built this website um, just tweeted out something today, a guy called Peter Levels, um, and it turned out that there was a person already on Fiverr advertising their ability to generate AI-generated avatars um if they give him the commission and he would be using his ai tool in order to do that but not telling uh, the customer so this is a complete reversal of what we're talking about where wow. ai generated tool so i can just take this tool no one knows about it but then i can advertise myself on fiverr as a person that can generate some amazing art for you um and charge massive amount more i paid 30 dollars, i think to produce some like 20 images which i thought all right, I screw it. A friend of mine did it and I, I liked her results. I thought I'll take that risk. Definitely worth it. Do it again. But this Fiverr advert's gone for $200 uh, for 20. So so there's already people like arbitraging this, um, picking up early or this thing's on pro product hunt. It seems to work. I will then do the work for you. Boom. Like a script writer or a, um, you know, a show note writer or something like that. You can simply just put it through an ai and here you go here's your script and then charge back again so there's lots of that activity going on it pays to be smart about where ai is so that if you do go on a platform and get a human worker like no it's a human worker and not actually someone who's using a tool that you could have used yeah i mean in that context the person's just providing a done for you service they're providing a management service aren't they they're lying about it though I mean, it's not like it's the, like, I think, yes. So I have no problem with the outsource per se. Um, but if they're disguising it, then it yeah, is a, true. It's, it's, it's fraudulent. Yeah, um, yeah, they're yeah. passing it off as as their work where 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 it, where it isn't. So so yeah. If they, if they just said, I use I use various tools and techniques to be able to to generate some amazing things for you. Just even the wording slightly changed, then I wouldn't have any it, problem with that. It may, it may not be illegal either. I mean, what's going to happen is there'll be a, an entirely new industry uh, set up. Like right now, I could I could say, hey, I, I could sell I could sell copywriting services to students, right? Um, and I'll just use Jasper AI to produce all, all the copy. Um, and uh, you know, boom, Bob's your uncle makes you, money off that. You why? Um, I mean, it, what's the difference between that and like getting a taxi? You're paying somebody to drive a car that you could do yourself. Yep. Yep. I get it. I get yeah, it. The person's well, got access to this, presumably paid access to this AI generator. Um, the, 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 I think there's a transparency issue is number yeah, 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 first yeah, yeah. is yeah. that, um, but you're right. It's, it's fundamentally capitalism. I mean, if you want to roll it back to the, you get, get it down to, uh, um, what, what capitalism is, is that someone has more information about how the thing is produced um, and is producing it and marking it up. Uh, you know, I mean, you're wearing, we're wearing some equipment here. Uh, this costs what, 150 quid somewhere. I don't know how much these headphones cost, something. Um, but if I knew how to make them, <laughs> it's probably worth 30 quid, right? It's the, so, the, um, the vaded value in capitalism. That is capitalism, mate. So anyway, capitalism is now integrating AI and human beings are grifting on top of that. So it's worth thinking about- Cottage what, what industry. That, 
happened linkedin i remember meeting some very early like senior people in linkedin a long time ago and they said it's just amazing to watch this cottage industry building up around linkedin of you know people that are building businesses doing things that are using linkedin as the uh as the sort of uh primary produce mm -hmm. yep yeah it's crazy and to be honest i've done the same right i mean uh, so a, great a great deal of brain food is 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 hopping on top of these platforms so so yeah here we go we're all in the mixer anyway that's about it i think um so thanks for hanging around sorry for the delay i know everyone's like into the middle of lunch already so thanks for watching brain food bake fresh um we'll be back next week and doing another review uh before that we'll be on brain food live this friday we will be talking about employer branding in a recession economy so sorry again uh, about banging on about the state of the economy however uh, we're going to now put a lens on EB on it, meaning like how do you do EB when the uh, economy is looking like this? Uh, what do you do if you're cutting back in one area but still recruiting on another? What is the employer message? Do you have to change the tonality? Are certain things that you thought were a good idea six months ago are still a good idea? Like what is your content mix looking like? Um, do you have to be sensitive as to what's happening in, uh, in the market? Or do you ignore it? Do you just say, hey, we're this? Um, so we're going to talk about all of that. We've got some amazing guests. Claire Bush from Adway is going to join us. Um, Susan Strayler-Lamotte from Exacio is going to join us. And also Paul Bangu, EB manager, global EB brand, EB manager at BT is going to join us. Um, so it's going to be a great show. Uh, make sure you uh, follow the channel uh, to be notified on that and register for the show on Friday. All right, that's about it. Thanks for watching. Peace.